1: ESPN 690 and Action Sports Shacks presents Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau. We're gonna have to show a little more patience than the year two pom pom people.
0: Casey Kurtz. Yo. Well, what are we doing, bro? Come on. And Aaron Shapter. I'm, I'm all in favor of these two showing their love, really <laughs> celebrating their relationship. Get up, get up,
1: get up, get 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 This is Brent and Friends with Brent Martineau, Kiki Kurtz, and Aaron Schachter on Jacksonville's home for ESPN Radio, ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back to String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. Brent Martineau, Casey Kurtz, Aaron Schachter, Brent, and friends on ESPN 690. And uh, we've got a beautiful day. We're ready for Jaguars All-Access tonight, presented by Fields Auto Group. That's coming up at 7 o'clock. You can watch it on Fox 30 as well. And Josh Allen, Devin Lloyd will join us. So come on out, say hello, and uh, hopefully we get a good vibe back in Jacksonville and the Jags get some Ws. Well, Jordan DeLugo, he fulfilled the promise. Said last week on the show he's going to come out to Strings, and here he is, live and in person. That's right. One of my favorite places in town. Yeah, <laughs> good to uh, see you, man. Thanks for coming on out. Uh, you know, Aaron, the other day, a couple weeks ago, watched a game at Strings on a Sunday. place was packed. Mm-hmm. This was where your 30th, you just told me, your 30th uh, birthday surprise party was. How's oh, it? It was
0: someone's got friends and family who loves them. Yeah.
2: Yes, the wife hooked it up big time. <laughs> Thought we were just coming out here for a couple beers with some friends, and walk through the back door and the whole family, everybody's out there waiting for me. It was, it was my first surprise party. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's a good question. I've, I've never had a surprise party and quite frankly, I don't want
1: one. <laughs> oh man, they can be... Here's the deal. I had one for my 40th
0: and one day when my kids have moved out of the city, I'll finally tell that story and uh, embarrass myself, but... It really does, you know. I said it to Jordan just a second ago. It really does make you realize that people love you and think about you and care for you when you're not there, because that's something yeah. they hide from you. But there are these conversations and planning. Like it's one thing to have the conversation, another thing to spend time planning something for somebody.
1: And when it's a that's surprise cool. party, it really does feel good. That's very nice. A little tug on the heartstrings a there, bit, from Eric. And then I ruined it that night. I'll tell you that story did later. <laughs> I can only imagine That's a bad one. Let's just, say, <laughs>
0: let's just say, uh, halfway through that party, I sent my wife a picture of me in the bathroom stall without my shirt on, and it said, we need to leave
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good enough. We got the visual. That's good enough. Cool. And, and I wish we didn't of- <laughs> have the visual. <laughs> speaking of parties, Casey Kurtz had his canceled because of a hurricane. Oh, yeah.
0: We were going to have so much fun. We had a little surprise party all locked in for Casey, and it just didn't work out.
1: It didn't. The hurricane got in the way. Uh, so, anyway, uh, let's talk some Jags. You are warning people to not get off the Trevor Lawrence train, Jordan DeLugo. You still on the
2: train? Oh, No question about it. I think when you look at Trevor Lawrence's play over the first five weeks, you've had two amazing contests. you had two disappointing ones and one right there in the middle, which was week one against Washington. Uh, it's when you look at the losses, it's easy to point out Trevor Lawrence's mistakes, and, and he did make plenty of mistakes the last two weeks, no question about it, especially um, in the critical moments against Houston. But he's far from the only one making mistakes on the offensive side of the ball and and, and on the team in general. Um, you had several, several drops over the second half from the receivers. You had Trayvon Walker's big mistake uh, where, you know, he – you know, bum-rushed Davis Mills and took him down, and obviously that was unacceptable. But, yeah, Trevor needs to improve. But he's five games in to a new offense, you know, the the third offense he's been in in three years. And you've seen a lot of high moments. You've seen some low moments as well. I just don't think there's any reason to panic on Trevor Lawrence right now.
1: Yeah, I think there are guys to panic on, like Justin Fields plays tonight. I mean, I could see if people are panicking a little bit on Justin Fields, and it's not even his fault. No. I, I think you could take it away from him, but you still don't know. I mean, you're 20-something games in on Justin Fields, and you're like, well, I don't know, and I have no confidence that I'm going to find out anytime any soon. At least there are some moments for Trevor, eh, even in this down, like, overall 20 whatever it is, two games, He's still only won what? Uh, five times. Five, yeah. And and so there's a lot of downs, but there are these moments like I see it there, and if they can get more of that, then this has a chance of going someplace. You really don't have that with Justin Fields. And even if you look up the numbers statistically, Trevor Lawrence is in a decent place five games in from an overall standpoint. Now, the fumbles are really skew things because of the one game, but it's what, eight touchdowns, four picks. It's not – it's not five touchdowns, seven picks like Matt Ryan this Sunday. Right. It's not, uh, you know, 180 yards passing a game. It's not 88 attempts in five games like it has been for Chicago. I mean, he's in the middle of the pack even with a QB rating, where around here, that other than Mitchell, who had a rating that kind of climbed the ladder and was in the upper tier of the NFL, there haven't been a lot of quarterbacks around here that even been in the top half of QB ratings in the NFL.
2: Right, and you look at – what they've put on Trevor Lawrence's plate early on, they're not babying him. They're not saying, you know, we're going to ground and pound. We're going to get you into some favorable situations. They're putting it all on Trevor Lawrence. And I think that's part of the, what Doug Peterson is trying to do to develop him. He's trying to get him to experience as many different um, different coverages, different moments in games as he possibly can early on this season. To prepare him for the future he wants to get him in as many different situations as possible and and they're putting it all on him they're not just going out there running the ball 30 40 times a game no whoever's throwing the ball 35 40 45 times a game and they're just they're letting it rip Aaron and Casey there's this
1: thought I have in my mind especially on that second and one last week where and then seeing the reaction of Doug Peterson Like He's in a totally different place than the rest of us when it comes to Jags football, first of all, and Trevor Lawrence. And I I have to continue to say this. I say this to my own son, too, sometimes. It's like, Doug Peterson does not look at Trevor Lawrence as the guy Todd McShay and and Mel Kiper said is a generational player. He doesn't. He looks at him as a number one overall pick that's got a skill set, but he also looks at him as a flawed quarterback. He watched the tape last year. Like he does not look at him in that sense. That doesn't mean he doesn't believe in him. But he doesn't start from the expectation level, all the Jacksonville, all the NFL, and everybody else had. And so it, it kind of crossed my mind, and and this sounds like, well, you're going to do that to lose games? That's not where I'm going here. But the second and one was almost like that was a terrible play, and quarterbacks in the NFL, I used to be there, are going to make terrible boneheaded, dumb, inexplicable plays in their career. And it's just one of the bumps that Trevor Lawrence is going to have to go through if he's going to get where everybody wants him to be. And that was like, in a 24-hour period, it doesn't make it okay, by the way. I still think the Jags just lost an amazing opportunity to go to 3-2 and two because of that play. But I think from Doug's perspective, again, Aaron and Casey, I think he knows some of this stuff's going to happen. He's not naive to it. Well, even if he didn't
0: know it was going to happen, he still has the honeymoon period where he gets to say it's going to happen, right? Like... Even if he wasn't expecting it, it's still within the window where it could have happened. So I think he's kind of got that in his back pocket. Do I think that's what's happening? No, I think his expectation is that Trevor's learning. He he kind of had a, a throwaway year last year, if you want to call it that, with Urban Meyer, and they hit the reset button with the entire staff. But even if that wasn't the case, I still think Doug would be saying that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, maybe. Casey, uh, you know what I'm getting at here? Like, I think he almost wants to put him in situations and see how Trevor's going to react. Kind of the Jordan's point. Like, he's not, like, nursing the Trevor situation to just drop back 22 times. You could give it to James Robinson 20 times. You could give it to ETN 10 more. You could run the ball 35 times in this offense if you wanted to and protect the young quarterback and nurse it along. Instead, he's like... Listen, you got to make if you're going to make mistakes, we're going to watch you make the mistakes, but I'm not shying away from it.
3: Yeah, I hear you. I don't know, maybe run the ball more, but I, <laughs> I,
0: mean, I don't I, you think I, most coaches <laughs> would? Like if it like what what if it wasn't Doug Peterson? Like what if it was Bilichek or or what if it was Dable or or what if it was any other coach? Tomlin, anybody. Don't you think they would be running the ball more?
1: I think Yes, like, I'll I'll give you one. I think Doug Marone, if he was still the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, in the current situation with Trevor and, and again, this would be kind of weird, right, because he would have to have not had the job and had the Urban Meyer (laughs) stuff happen and everything else. So, like, but a Doug Marone kind of coach would be like, listen, we're going to run the football and we're going to bring this guy along and eventually he'll get to the place we need him to get. Mm -hmm. And he's not going to learn, like, just in the battle of it. And and we're going to throw him in the fire. I think to Jordan's point, I think these Doug's more willing to be like, show me what you got. And by the way, he Trevor's not the only one he did that with. He did it with Devin Woj, he did it with Luke Fortner. He's done it with other guys, and I think he's doing it a bit with Trevor.
2: Yeah, I think he is too. Uh, and it's not just let's see what he can do in these moments. It's let's get him in these <laughs> moments. And when there are mistakes, and even when there's successes, these are teachable moments. These are moments we're going to learn from and be better for in the long run. And I think uh, trying to reduce the amount of those moments is just not in Doug Peterson's DNA. And you talk about Doug Marone, Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning head coach. His philosophy, you have seen him find consistent success as an offensive coach, as as a head coach, as a play caller in this league, doing what he wants to do. And that's being aggressive on fourth down. That's airing the football out throwing to score, running to win and it's not always going to be pretty when you have a young quarterback and that's your philosophy and he understands that but he is not going to try to hamstring Trevor Lawrence's uh development by not giving him the football by not putting the football in his hands. I don't think he's teach I don't think he sees the game that way. I don't think he teaches that way. I don't think he's going to coach that way.
0: I'll say this about uh running and and, and throwing as far as Doug is concerned. Brent, I know we talked a lot about red zone earlier this week because it didn't seem like the Jags could get in the end zone, but it did seem like they were able to move the ball the middle of the field. But for the season in general, I mean, Trevor's been really good in the red zone, better than I had expected, better than I thought until I really took a closer look. I mean, he's not connecting at the rates you'd like to see him connect at, 15 of 31 for 48%. But again, in the red zone, it's kind of harder to get that completion percentage up just because you have less space to operate. But eight touchdowns, two interceptions, he's ranked seventh in the league in red zone. Like, he's not doing that bad from there at all.
1: Is he really? Like, yeah. Seventh in the league? Like, what's the metric there to get him seventh in the league? Is that based off completion percentage or touchdowns or what?
0: All, oh, Or just yes. the whole thing? Uh, That's the whole thing, like yeah. the rating? Yeah. So,
1: that surprises me, by the way, because I do think the two, I think the two interceptions were bad. Like, there were bad interceptions. They and, were. and they can't happen. And uh, the eight makes sense. That's good. And, and you can get guys more touchdowns in the red zone, I think, even on running situations. And maybe that's what Doug was trying to do the other day, continue to get more touchdowns, second and one. Uh, but I think you've got to be careful to put them in tough spots in that because the red zone, everybody will tell you this, every football person has been around it long enough, asked enough questions, that the young quarterback's Take a little more to grow, usually, in that red zone area because things do get tight. Decision-making becomes paramount, and things get sped up. So you've got to still be careful to put them in bad situations in that spot and your team in bad situations, especially when you've got a guy like James Robinson yeah. who can run the football. While we're talking about this, Aaron, do you have in front of you, like, What's a good completion percentage in the red zone So the year?
0: The best in the league, I believe, belongs to Lamar Jackson. Uh, let me see if I could sort by completion percentage. I mean, Trey Lance is one of one, but we're not going to count it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. Tannehill 81% in the red zone.
1: Interesting. But he's got a big running game. 13 on, of 16. So anytime you throw it.
0: Yeah. Uh, you got Aaron Rodgers is 75%, 21 of 28. Uh, Lamar sense. Jackson, 17 of 24 for 70%. But to your earlier point, if you're talking about just outright ranks, you look at the bottom of this list, and it's all the young guys. It's Kenny Pickett. It's Mac Jones when he's in the game. It's Cooper Rush, even though he's not necessarily young. He's new, right? Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield, and the disaster happening in Carolina. But Daniel Jones, like, you're not seeing the veterans down there, regardless of what their roster looks like.
1: I think what's an interesting point here, lost in the conversation of of even the numbers, is the thirty-one. You just gave me Green Bay, 28 passes. You just gave me Lamar, 24 passes. You just gave me Tannehill, I think you said 16 passes. 31 passes in the red zone. I don't know how many runs, but Jordan, they're getting there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they're getting there every single week. Uh, You know, Philly, they weren't moving the ball as well as they have the rest of the year, but we all know what happened in Philly. When you look at the games, toss out Philly, in my opinion, because it was a weird game. Uh, Sure, if if he plays another game in a monsoon where there's 20-mile-per-hour winds, yeah, you're going to have to worry about that. But you're not going to face that most weeks, right? Uh, But when you look at the other four games they've played this year, they have moved the ball as one of the best teams in football. I mean, no question about it. And they have been able to score in most of those games. They didn't do it last week. Part of that was Trevor Lawrence making mistakes. Part of it was – some other mistakes that have popped up, you know, offensive line play, penalties, drops, etc. And that's the mo on Houston too; is they're
1: not going to let you in the end zone. Right, exactly. They have a, they have a, done a pretty good job of that.
2: Yeah, stout defense when it gets tight. Derek Stingley made a great play, but you know, and both of Trevor Lawrence's red zone turnovers the last two weeks. I will say, you mentioned they were not good plays. He had opportunities on both of those plays to do something else with the football. The answers were there for him, and he did not take those answers, and that's part of learning. That's part of being a young quarterback. On the interception of James Bradbury, you had Jamal Agnew right there underneath. You tried to force it in there to Christian Kirk. Bad decision. The interception last week, you had four defenders. You only have three offensive uh, pass catchers try to force it in there you could have thrown the ball out of bounds it was second and one you could have run the ball for a first down so yeah these are these teachable moments but i do think there's no question about it this jaguars offense knows how to move the ball and they've got the the ability to do that week in and week out aaron and casey we talk about the jags every day we talk about them all the time everybody dissects
1: the stuff like we've seen it all it's almost very simplistic for the jags which would be boring radio if we came on here every week every day and just said this (laughs) But the stuff is there, not just on offense, but on defense. Yep. Like, we've seen the players make the plays. Their turnover margin is still, well, not the margin as much, but the turnovers are pretty good on defense. The offense is leaving so much out on the field each and every week, even when they play well,
2: mm.
1: that really this, the simplicity of the Jacksonville Jaguars is are they just going to make the damn plays that are there to win games or not? I mean, Because it's there. Like we have asked it in the past. Like, is it even there? Like, are they? That's not the case
0: no, right now. We know it's there.
1: Now you just got to no. make plays.
2: But couldn't you say that about most teams? It's like, no, nah, it I don't. I don't think in Jacksonville you could say that. No, that's the difference. You could not say that about the Jaguars prior to this season. Here, they yes. were not beating them. I mean, they were beating themselves, but it didn't matter if they were beating themselves or not. Uh, They were going to lose to their opponent because they didn't have the talent, they didn't have the scheme, the play calling, the coaching to get the job done on a weekly basis. They do have that now. It's just about execution, and uh, physically, it's all there for them. Play calling-wise, it's all there for them. It's just about them finishing a few more plays in these tight games. And when you talk about having a tight game, The Colts have been a lot better in tight games than the Jaguars have. Colts coming up this weekend. They've got veteran quarterback. They've got a lot of players with a lot of experience in tight games. So if it is a tight game this weekend, that is something I'd be worried about. I don't know how the Jaguars beat experienced teams in tight games.
0: Yeah, I'm not saying that the the team here hasn't had to answer that question before. But, Brent, if we're talking about the kind of parity that we see in the NFL, the fact that no one game is really a given anymore – then no. you got to imagine that a lot of these rosters have the pieces. It's just a matter of executing, and that's really where I think a lot of the issues come for a lot of teams.
1: But I think, like, what happens in the NFL is most teams, in a month's time, if you're going to play these close games, the good ones win three out of four of them. The okay teams win two out of two of them. Sure. The bad teams win one out of four or maybe none. And, Jordan... and don't make the plays. And, and the Jags, over the years, man, just haven't made the plays in key spots. And, like, how many times? Like, this is not new. We've been doing this for 15 years in Jacksonville. And whether it was Jack Del Rio, whether it was Mike Malarkey, whether it was Doug Marone, whether it was Gus Bradley, whether it was Urban Meyer, even believe it, even Urban Meyer gets lumped into this. And now, whether it's Doug Peterson, I probably missed the coach. Mel Tucker Bevel. on an interim basis. <laughs> Daryl Bevel on an interim basis. They all say the same thing when you lose, especially when you lose by one possession. Well, every NFL game comes down to three or four plays, and you know how many times the Jags make those three or four plays over the years? Hardly ever. I do think think
0: Jordan's point carries a lot of water, though, and that's that the Colts are a veteran-experienced team. And when it comes to those close games, there's a sense of calm and we got this and we've been here before that you don't yet feel from a young Jaguars team.
1: And I think that's the key. Like, Matt Ryan was atrocious last Thursday night. Uh, The Colts were disgustingly bad on Thursday night. Denver was equally as disgusting and had a quarterback that can get things done and late and didn't and matt ryan was able to put together one drive matt ryan when given the opportunity against the kansas city chiefs who missed a field goal to take a touchdown lead had one opportunity to go down the field and he did it and right now the difference between the teams that aren't trevor is it youth is he just not good enough in that spot i mean sooner or later it's going to play itself out but even Derek carr who has been really good in that spot throughout his career is 0 for 4 this year in that spot yeah. And so it's the NFL. Like, you've got to make plays. And you're right. Matt Ryan, to one, I will give him this so far this season. He stinks. I'm not afraid of him. But late in the game, he's come back and won two games this year, and that's why they've got two wins. And also, by the way, came back and tied Houston right. to get it to 20-20, to 20, and that's why they're 2-2-1. Two, two
2: yeah, three big fourth quarters for him, or at least three big drives in the fourth quarter to put them in position to win or tie. Uh, so, yeah, I think if you give Matt Ryan a chance late in the game, he, he has a better chance right now of getting it done than Trevor Lawrence does in that specific situation. I do think that's just experience. I really do. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's been doing this for, what, 17 years, something yeah. like that. Trevor Lawrence is in his fifth game in this new system. Uh, I think you just need to give it time. But on paper, you're talking about this this contest I think the Jaguars' offense matches up more favorably with the Colts' defense, which is playing pretty good, than the Colts' offense does with the Jaguars' defense. I think the biggest weak link of of either team right now is the Colts' offensive line when you look at it. It's amazing,
1: isn't it? I mean, the Jags have a big-time advantage, it seems like, in the trenches with their defensive front. It's a big week for Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, in my opinion, and everybody else. But they've got to wreak some havoc on that offensive line. Everybody else is doing it. 21 sacks so far and 11 fumbles for Matt Ryan. they got to add to those. This can't be a clean sheet kind of week for Indy, or the Colts are going to win it. Let's take a break. Uh, More Jordan DeLugo from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. It's Brent and Friends on ESPN 690. We roll on after this.
3: can control what happens outside this building and so that's never been a part of our concern or worry anything we talk about as a unit kind of stays within the walls of the building particularly our own meeting room as well as an offense um, and the last two weeks we haven't played to the standard we've set for ourselves as an offense that's Trevor as well as a lot of other people coaches included we're included in that we have not um, you know we have not met the, that standard
2: that we've set for ourselves and that's why we've come up short as an offense the last two weeks
1: that is Press Taylor, Jaguars offensive coordinator. He's going to be good at this thing someday, by the way, when he gets an opportunity. And if the Jags do well over the next couple of years, and that will launch him into a head coaching uh, opportunity for sure, you would think. Uh, and and uh, coming from that Andy Reid, now Doug Peterson tree, I guess he would be the first Doug Peterson tree guy. Uh, oh, maybe not the first. I think, well, Frank Reich, I guess, technically could be um, included in that. So, uh, but Press Taylor's got a bright future. I think he handles that spotlight well. I think he handles the podium well and the microphone. And uh, he, he's a part of this thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars and part of the tutelage of uh, developing Trevor Lawrence, and there's a lot on him to be able to do it. Hey, here's an injury report coming out of Colts practice. Uh, you know, I said this the last time the Colts played the Jags. They do things a little different. Their Wednesday practice I don't think is as intense in the importance practice like Thursday is. And I've seen this a couple of times throughout this year now with Frank Reich. And so yesterday, a lot of guys missed practice. Well, today's, I think, the true indicator of where some of these players might be. So let's begin with Jonathan Taylor. Didn't practice yesterday. Limited practice today. The bottom line here, guys, and Jordan DeLugo, as we bring you back into it, from Generation Jaguar, GenJag.com, GenJag on the YouTube channel, Jonathan Taylor, I think he's going to go, but even if he goes, he's not 100%. Right.
2: Yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor will go. I think they're going to try to try to push it, try to get him out. This is a must-win game for both teams. I know it's hard to say that in week six, but when you're talking about this AFC South race, it's tight. It's very tight right now. So, yeah, both teams are really trying to get, get this win. I think they're going to try to get Jonathan Taylor out there, but how healthy will he be? It's an ankle. This is a guy that really has a lot of, uh, agility and, and ability to cut in space is that impacted by the ankle? We'll find out. Um, I do think Damian Pierce was a nice little warm up for Jonathan Taylor for yeah. this Jaguars defense.
1: Well, not only that, by the way, you get a Philly defense that's physical, a Philly offense that's physical, looks right. to run the ball, and then you get Pierce, and now you get Jonathan Taylor. I mean. You better be able to stop the run. You better be able to bring your hard hat three weeks in a row. And, by the way, Saquon Barkley in tow. (laughs) True. And then you get a little bit of a a reprieve after that. But you're right, Aaron. That's four straight weeks, man, of um, you better be able to stop the back. And, again, I think the Jags overall did a pretty good job, a winnable job against Pierce.
2: I think they did a great job until the final drive. Yeah, until that last drive. And you know, there was a drive earlier where
1: he gave up like three runs. of pretty it was a good couple of runs by Pierce, but right, it just but that's didn't happen throughout yet. a game
2: at times. Um, and then some of that wouldn't have happened if Trayvon Walker didn't pick up that penalty. Well, true. So yeah, we might never have seen the 18
1: breaking tackle run. That would have been a if shame if it wasn't for the penalty. It's a great <laughs> run. Listen, I don't know. He's on my fantasy
3: team, right? I need the points. I, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so so We're We're a weathered it. fan right there. I mean, we only do like 18 hours of radio a week. I mean, we could probably, like, feel, get a win instead of your fantasy team getting God a win. God forbid, yeah. I mean, goodness gracious. That's Casey Kirsten, Aaron Schachter, Brent Martino, Jordan Delugo, live from String Sports Brewery here in Springfield. We have Josh Allen and Devin Wood tonight on the show on Jaguars All-Access, presented by Fields Auto Group. Julian Blackman practice full. He was limited with an ankle. Another guy banged up on the defensive side of things. Quentin Nelson, he's going to go. Tyquan Lewis concussion. Naheem Hines concussion. These guys are practicing. Tyquan Lewis in full, the defensive end. Naheem Hines limited. I'm not sure about Hines, man. With all the concussion stuff going on, the way he looked getting up last Thursday, I'm not sure 10 days is enough. So, if, again, if Taylor's not 100%, Hines, I think, is a dynamic that the Colts didn't use the first time against the Jaguars the way they should have, and so that could hamper them a bit. But Aaron, Casey, here's the deal. I just don't think the Colts are very good. I don't care who was playing. Like, Jonathan Taylor's a big difference, sure. Pittman being back, fine. They're just not that good, and I don't think they've proven that they're a very good football team in 2022, and they're not going to be 100% even if these guys play. This is all about how the Jags are going to play.
0: I think it's fair to say that, but I also think statements like, I don't think the Colts are very good are what leads to us getting beat 24-17.
3: And I don't think the Colts are very good, but... The point of the story is, one thing that they do have this time around that they didn't have last time is Alec Pierce, who, like, the first time around, I was like, oh, who needs him? Pierce. Never even heard of him. He's coming off. He's actually kind of good at football. And I just want to throw this out there. There's not a show in America, including the great state of Indiana, that has more value on Naheem Himes than us. Well, Brent specifically. Mostly Brent, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been two years now. We talk about this guy like he's breaking games every week. He's a casual (laughs) six carries guy. a. You would think Brent
0: plays in a PPR league with them or something. But no, uh, they're, their goal they're <laughs> childhood
1: <laughs> friends. Like, but no, that's not the point. Like, they, you, they opened the game in week two with a Naheem Hines, like, uh in the flat that went for, I forget, like, eight, 12 yards. And you're like, oh, they're going to do this a lot today without Pittman and Pierce. They never did it again. But this is like, the they story, got lucky.
0: it's the story of this guy's career, too, though. Like, he's always shown that maybe, like, I remember before Jonathan Taylor was the guy, they weren't sure which one of those two was going to be the guy.
3: They got 12 yards out of
0: Naheem Himes. They're like, wow, we didn't see this one coming. I'm just saying, like, this has been him. Like, you know he's got talent. You see him catching balls out in the flat. You see him taking handoffs from the backfield. But it's never consistent. You never see it too much. I just don't think Indy believes believes in him as much as you do. You should coach the team,
3: Brett.
1: You'd you'd have a whole (laughs) new vision on the offense. Well, listen. Their offense sucks, so
2: my <laughs> offense would be a little better. Okay. It's the worst in football right now. Talk your talk, <laughs> like, bro. No matter what what you look at, whether you're watching the games, whether you're looking at DVOA, whatever it may be, the Colts have the worst offensive it's bad, in yeah. offense in football, and it starts with the offensive line. Yes. This, this went from a strength of this team to maybe the worst offensive line in football overnight. They've got Bernard Ryman starting at left tackle who's a rookie, uh, not playing very well right now. Frank Reich says we're just going to let him roll with it. We're going to let him develop. You've got Matt Pryor, who started the year at left tackle over at right tackle. He's not playing well. Uh, Quentin Nelson is having his worst year as a pro so far. I think a lot of that has to do with what he's surrounded with at this point. But,
1: Ryan Kelly, hip injury, didn't practice Wednesday, limited today. so, right, could get so him back,
2: he'll probably be, be able to come back. And talking about those injuries, the ones that might not play, Shaquille Leonard, DNP both days. Yeah, he's not playing. Yeah, that
1: was another nasty one. He's not yeah. playing. They're I don't think
2: happen. there's any way he gets out there. And then another big one that not a lot of people are talking about: Quiddie Pay. He's a DNP with an ankle injury the last two days. And Quiddy Pay is, um, you know, arguably their most talented young pass rusher on the edge. They obviously have Unique Ngakwe also, but no quiddy Pay makes this a different a different ball game for the Jaguars' offensive line.
1: You know, it's wild. If their offensive line, now again, a little bit banged up, but not as good as they thought. They just invested big in Quentin Nelson. I think a lot of people would have. But if it's not as good as they all think, then this thing is is more out of place in Indy than they thought. And the big question I have is Aaron, Casey, Jordan, you guys have Jonathan Taylor on your fantasy team. I do. I do. Yeah, Yeah. It's a major problem. Yeah, I literally literally do. The way their offensive line is playing, do you feel good about him going for a buck 30 the way he's – he did it all last year. It was almost automatic that he was going to do that. Sure. One, I don't know if he can give it to him 30, 35 times because can he handle it with the ankle? And even if they do, is he going to be the Jonathan Taylor we saw last year? And I think right now the answer is No based off the way their offensive line is playing, not even on his skill set, yeah. right. but they're just not doing enough.
0: I think the evidence is, is, is showing some of that, yes, but uh, to Jordan's earlier point, the real problematic part of this offensive line right now is on the ends. It's at the tackles. You got Raymond rated 62nd in the league, prior rated 67th in the league. The guards are still top 30 guards. Your center is the top 30 center, so there could be room created in between the tackles. I just don't see him doing it that often with an injured Jonathan Taylor, but it's Matt Ryan who's literally got the life alert button getting pressed every three snaps on that team. He is falling and struggling to get up, and it's because of those tackles.
1: (laughs) Casey, uh, you... You don't, What's your confidence level in Jonathan Taylor right now?
3: Extremely low. Extremely low. He's on my fantasy team. He's currently on the bench. Even if he plays, I don't know if I'm going to yeah, take him off of Yeah, you're not going to start there. him, right? I'm not starting him. Because with the – now, granted, I want to make it known that the rest of my running backs are trash. They're worse than Naheem Himes, so I'm in a bad situation, and I still don't think I would play this guy because <laughs> of the injury. Who are you starting over Taylor right now? Uh, Who am
0: I? Sorry. Would you start
3: Mostert over Taylor? No, 100%. I am. That's actually exactly who I'm
0: playing. Because he's, got a, he's got an injury issue, too. Would you start with yeah. Stevenson over
3: Taylor? 100%. I wish yeah, I had are, that option. These are smart choices. But, yeah, with the ankle, with the offensive line, and then the Jags, who I'm not giving up on on being good on the run defense, like, I just I can't. I can't do it.
1: You know, it's to me is I'm going to look this up but you know when Derrick Henry had the big year a couple years ago he came back and he had another big year on the horizon and then halfway through he got hurt this is I'm wondering has a guy fallen off the table in terms of production now again injuries I don't think I'm pitting this all on him I'm not trying to tell you that Jonathan Taylor all of a sudden is terrible but he went from 2,000 yards to now I mean getting 80 is tough that doesn't happen very often usually like the good backs are good and they go on like these three-year runs or four-year runs and then it might be short-lived it might start to fall off but this might be one of these bounce back years that doesn't look so good Uh, not even a bounce back year a follow-up year that looks pretty bad
2: yeah right now it's looking like that and usually when you get these running backs it's on their second contract when things start to fall apart and i do not think jonathan taylor is falling apart by any stretch i do think the colts their offensive line is just not performing at a consistent enough clip for jonathan taylor as you mentioned to to get going and uh, i don't think it really has much to do with him outside of the injury obviously uh battling through that i just think that the offensive line and the offense as a whole because if you're a defensive coordinator you're looking at the colts offense what scares you besides jonathan taylor I mean, I know Michael Pittman is a good starting receiver. I know Alec Pierce is coming along. But what scares you outside of Jonathan Taylor? That's it. You're gearing up to stop the run. Yeah, and they are loading
1: up and, and trying to stop that and then say, hey, Matt Ryan, see if you can beat us, and we'll take our chances to your point with Pittman. And we talked about this yesterday on the show. Even Pittman, who might have nice plays, he's probably he's not Tyreek Hill kind of scary and, and going to just turn one into 75 very often. So if like, you look at last year's rushing leaders, it was Jonathan Taylor... By, like, 500 yards, okay? <laughs> like, he won that title. Nick Chubb. Well, Nick Chubb's doing it again. Yeah, he is. And Nick Chubb's he's done it, the like, year after act. year, right? Yeah. And I wish Nick Chubb. Joe Mixon had a, had a good year. He's getting it a lot, but he's not really performing great. Mixon has been getting a lot of carries. Najee Harris is having a little bit of a down oh, year uh, right now, right? <laughs> Casey's heart right killing now. me, dude. Dalvin <laughs> Cook had a big game last game, I yeah, think. Yeah, he did. It was he his did, first yeah. big
0: game of the season, though. Yeah, he hasn't I, been really playing
1: well all year. You know, Antonio Gibson, I don't think is doing much at all. For
2: no, Ryan. as a matter did of fact, right? I was just I was just I mean, talking to Casey. They to replace him with Brian. They did or already. Robinson. They
0: they yeah. named Robinson RB one for this weekend, so you can see that already in transition. Just for him. And,
1: and the big thing with Gibson is his fumble problems, and and they totally lost confidence in him because of that. Ezekiel Elliott's the most overrated player in the NFL, nice. according to me. Go back to the uh way. Pollard's way better, right? Yep. Shouldn't even touch the ball, <laughs> right? <laughs> He makes that take that he's been for two years, and now there's more people around him. So he's like, right, somebody back me up. Somebody say yes. yes. You, you agree with me anyway, Casey. Yes. Uh, Derrick Henry, I guess, is coming on a little bit as of late. Yeah. And so we'll see if he can kind of regain Bulldozer. the steam. So outside of that, I mean, then you, then you get into a bunch of guys. I mean, it's just not 900 yards is, is okay, in my opinion, and people just don't try to run in some of these offenses. So, uh, But the Colts, all they do is run. Like, that's all they did last year. That's why he had 500 more yards. He was terrific, but they run more than just about anybody else.
2: Yeah, and they're not able to do that right now with, with uh, the inefficiency in the passing game. It's making it really difficult to run the ball. All right, one last thing with you guys for now.
1: We said Kirk. We know Trevor. Take those two guys out. Give me a guy that needs to step up this week and and perform. Because I did this. Oh, a couple weeks ago, Casey, we did this a bunch where we went through the roster and it was like, wow. I mean, I can make the case that guy's playing well, that guy's playing well, that guy's playing well, everybody, right? You went right up and down the list. The only guy we had on the list that was like a little bit questionable might have been Darius Williams. And I think he's actually turned it on a little bit the last Mm -hmm. couple weeks as he he gets more comfortable being back at it. Yeah, he has. So who's, who's your step up guy? Right now, this week as we enter a critical game in the AFC South, kind of where this season might go. The Jags win, they go to two and one in the AFC South, they're in a good place. They lose one and two, you don't feel good at all. And and Kirk is definitely there. Trevor is most definitely there.
3: We're talking either side of the ball?
1: Oh, either side of the ball. Awesome. Give me a guy that needs to be like, All right, listen, I liked you three weeks ago or two weeks ago or whatever, but now I need to see more from you. Who you say, Casey?
3: Trayvon Walker, it's time. Welcome back to the fold. We need some plays, or at the bare minimum, be disruptive. Matt Ryan's not going to run away from you. If you push him into Josh Allen, that's fantastic as well. But at the end of the day, we need you in the backfield. We need you to be that number one overall pick, especially against a team where the quarterback is legitimately slower than I am, and that's bad. (laughs) Is that a fact? I will race Matt Ryan. If you set it up, (laughs) I will race Matt Ryan
1: any time, any place. That's a great call. Anybody see his recent 40 time? What is it? It's 10 seconds and 13 milliseconds, and I can beat that. <laughs> yeah, well, Casey would beat that.
3: I just got to stretch a bit. Uh, Aaron, what do you got?
0: Well, I was going to go with Walker, but if I can't go with the defensive front, I'll just go to the other side of the ball, Josh Allen. Either one of those guys needs to take complete advantage of these soft, doughy, pudgy, slow tackles on the Indianapolis Colts.
2: <laughs> I'll race uh, yeah, I was, was going to roll with Josh Allen, actually, just because last week um, – I think was his worst pass rushing game of the season and it wasn't bad by any stretch and Texans weren't trying to throw the ball all that often when they were there they trying to get it out quickly so I, I don't really blame him but if Josh Allen can be the Josh Allen we saw for the first four weeks of this season I think that the Colts offense has very little chance of getting things going uh, but since you went with Josh Allen I'm gonna go with Foye Oluokun who I think struggled a little bit last week uh, in the tackling department, in the um, being able to just click and close department, I think Devin Lloyd played better than Foye in last week. Foley is making $15 million a year, captain of the defense, really smart guy, knows, knows where he's supposed to be. He needs to have a big game. He needs to be able to... Uh, to slow down Jonathan Taylor and to be efficient in coverage as well. Yeah, that's inter- that's interesting. I
1: didn't see, I haven't seen that as much as uh, from Foye because I thought he was really coming on too leading into that game. Mm-hmm. But I listen when you have 17 missed tackles against Damian Pierce or uh, what do they say, forced missed tackles, yeah. whatever that stat was. Well, your linebackers probably heavily involved in that. Yeah. And so there's a lot of slippery hands going off Damian Pierce. They need to be more sticky, uh, if you will. You know, I'm going to say guys, Zay Jones zay jones missed the philly game i thought he was disappointing last week there are moments that zay jones zay jones getting paid eight million a year now like they brought him in here to be a difference and i we're excited about his camp we're excited early on he had the career game against the chargers you know everybody's got their eyes on kirk but he could alleviate some of that from kirk if he continues to step up and we really still haven't seen like the big 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 play with zay jones Taking the top off i'd love to see one of those plays probably won't come this week against indianapolis
2: they won't try it yeah you wouldn't think so but i will i agree with you on zay jones he has had some big moments for the jaguars so far this year last week dealing with the ankle injury he's still dealing with that i don't know if that had any impact on his performance but he dropped two passes that he has to catch and i know people are like oh those were high Those are right above his helmet. Yeah, He doesn't have to fully extend for those. There's no defenders around. Trevor Lawrence is trying to get it over the second level of the defense into Zay Jones' hands. I think those are well-placed footballs, and he has to catch those. Jordan DeLugo, GenJag.com. Jen Jag
1: on the YouTube channel. I bought him a beer, guys, so come on by, String Sports Broward. Weird to You bought him a beer, but you still owe Casey five bucks from, like, last
0: year. Oh, my, God. the
3: five bucks, Eric. Yeah. That's <laughs> up to, like, eight, 87, some change with tax. I've been working here for three years, no
1: beer. This is just a disaster. Case, Casey hasn't even, like, settled his Davoli's House of Cards losing 0-6 week yet, all right?
3: <laughs> hey, buddy, who lost last week? I didn't see you leave with any cards on Tuesday. Okay. I, feel, I feel like I'm we still need still to waiting find a lawyer to the see if now. we
1: calculated correctly this
3: <laughs> this is truly a disaster. We got yeah. nobody here that can do math. I have no beer, and we're six minutes late on commercial. So, Brent, yeah.
1: please. <laughs> I know. Jordan Delugo's. he's happy. He's got a beer in his hand. So he's well, I'm happy for All him, right. believe me. We'll be back. Brent and friends on ESPN 690.
3: Brent and friends, ESPN 690 on a Thursday. Brent Martineau. Having some beers. Having Anything but the, the job at hand,
0: that's okay. There's a part of me that really wants Brent to get some drinking going so that when he comes back for the 5 o'clock seg, it's going to be really entertaining, like really entertaining.
3: Yeah, but th- at the same time, like there's only, there's like nothing really Brent can do that's really entertaining, like he's mildly entertaining at best. Oh, Brent, hey, you got your headset <laughs> on. Thanks, brother. Oh,
0: hey, I, hey, I did know you were there. Hey, hey,
1: hey. hey. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's why I have you guys on the show. Hey, man, it's true. You know?
0: No argument. No the, one's going to argue with you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Casey Casey
0: said he's going to encourage you to have a few more beers, and then he's going to make an anonymous call to JSO. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's, That's all very I'm saying. nice.
3: Oh,
1: well, you'll be hosting the show tomorrow.
3: Well, you um, know. <laughs> hey, Brett, don't don't get too comfortable.
1: Because we we got to <laughs> go back to break. Yeah, I know. We've got about two minutes. No, it's over. Actually. Aww. One minute. It's 54. It was 53. That's Wait, when you're supposed to get out. Buddy.
3: Quickly, I can tell you this: America's team, the Seattle Mariners, two to one lead over the Cheaters. I mean the Astros, two to one. <laughs> Good up to for you. America's team. Oh, Houston, how we feeling? Brett playing the villain. Love to see it, but Mariners have the lead. We'll be back.
1: Football at five. Brett and friends on ESPN 690. <laughs>